The Stalk Talks podcast brings you intelligent discussions of topical issues inspired by the international city of peace and justice. I think we all know what we need to do. Problems, they come like a costume. They fit you. Remove our inner critic and open our inner, you know, curiosity. You know, nothing speaks louder than money. Walk in, slam your fist on the table, so... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Something has to change. Welcome back to another episode of Stalk Talks. The oldest profession in the world has been legal in the Netherlands since 2001. The idea behind this liberal approach to prostitution was to make it safer, cleaner, and generally better for sex workers. However, the reality has been somewhat different. And this week we speak with Shari Pock, who has lived in a so-called Noodgebied for over 20 years and is a long-time lobbyist for challenging the working conditions and the locations of the Hague's red light district. It's currently located in the Old Town, in the Dubletstraat and Geleenstraat, but has been advocated against for a long time. Uh, Shireen, welcome. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you with us today on Stalk Talks. Hello, nice to be here. Perhaps just to give our listeners a bit of a background, you are indeed a long-time member of the Residents Association of what is called the Auda Centrum or the, the Old Town uh, in The Hague. And this is where we find, in fact, some of the cheapest prostitution streets in the whole of the Netherlands. Research suggests that it's 30 euros a visit. This is according to a report by Omru Ves. So perhaps if you could tell us more specifically, you've been a long-time campaigner. What would you like to see change in your neighborhood? Yes, since we published this um, low price, they raised the prices, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) You have to imagine this is a a small street in the old center, in a historic old center. But in fact, it's a very big industry because uh, there are many, many brothels and uh, there work many women and they get many, many visitors each day, each evening. It's like an IKEA of prostitution without the parking places, without all the safety management without all the measures for these women to feel safe, to feel good. In fact, there was an investigation. There are many investigations, but the last investigation showed that these women are working under bad circumstances. They work in very small rooms and it's very dirty and they don't have supervision of medical care of it's 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 a very bad situation. That's an interesting viewpoint that you uh, bring up, Shireen. And one other thing that me and Zoe were very curious about is you told us that you were originally a lobbyist for the legalization of prostitution, but that since then you have swapped sides and that you're now against the legalization of prostitution. So we were curious as to know what changed. Yes, I was one of the people in uh, in the end of the last century who was on the streets to fight for free businesses for these women. But now we are nearly 20 years further or 20 years. And I think we made a big mistake because most of these women still don't have a very good life. They are still not independent. 
they are still depending on the brothel owners and the pimps. And uh, we gave the tools to the, the people who exploit these women to cover everything up because it's legal. And although it's legal, still this sex industry is, is treated differently than other industries in this country. And we wonder why, because if it's legal, it's a normal industry. Why do they have different rules than our normal entrepreneurs? So we, we think we women had good intentions to give independence to sex workers, but it, it failed. It just failed. So, so basically what we're gathering from it is when we ask you, what would you like to see change is you would like to see more supervision, healthcare, uh, and, and basically the working conditions for these women that, that, that changes. Yes. First of all, we started to fight against this street, this sex industry in Yolt Center, because we think it attracts a lot of drugs, criminality, a lot of uh, vandalism, a lot of people on the street and, but Now we also are very concerned about these women that work there because it's a poverty problem. These women come from uh, poor countries and they work a lot. And not only do, do we want this street out of the neighborhood, and that's my task because I'm a chairwoman of the resident association, but also we want much better working conditions for these women Moreover, we want these women to have the opportunity to leave this industry. So we want the local government to give them a budget or to give them training for another job or to give them schooling or to give them money to go back to their countries. So it's turning into a quite complex problem because it's not only a neighborhood problem, but it's a worldwide problem. I think what is interesting is you, you touch upon a number of different topics and especially when it comes to the complexity of the issue, I think it's very well reflected in when we did our research for this this piece about the, the different types of reporting that has been done on the situation. So there were articles by the Dutch local press on changing the situation. February 2020, Omroep West reported on plans to build an erotic center near the Pinkhorst area, so to, to move the center. However, then in August of the same year, uh, another article by Omroep West said that there had been resistance from local residents and, and, and in, in this area to the idea. And most recently, in March of this year, we hear that the plans are currently on hold because of the concerns and, and the costs and logistics. So, How likely do you think that this idea of, of creating this erotic center to move it out of the old center, how realistic is that idea? Well, it's not realistic because this is going on for more than 20 years. For, for longer than I live in my neighborhood, it's more than 25 years. It's the same pattern. First, they do investigation. People try to get a solution. They, they understand that it's a big problem in, in this residential area. They do suggestions to, to move and then they realize it's not possible. And then the government, uh, the local government says, well, we do nothing. So it's, it's every two or three years, it's the same pattern coming up, like investigation, discussion, talking, doing nothing. Yeah, but I mean, you, you mentioned before, Shireen, is saying basically it's because nobody wants to have this industry. Exactly. Nobody wants to have this industry in this area, in his neighborhood, for one. 
two Khamenei says it's too expensive, which is not true. And three, the latest development to move it to the Binkhorst. Well, there are too many problems with this location. And also there are new plans with this area to build a lot of houses, a lot of apartments. And it's called CID. It's it's a big, big project in Gemeente to make this a big residential area. Nobody wants to work at a solution, I have to say that. Okay, so if we accept perhaps that it's it's difficult to relocate this industry, then perhaps something like the Nordic model would seem to be a possible alternative because what they've done there is basically criminalize prostitution. They've now see it as violence against women. And for that reason, it's a crime. And they've also made the buying of sex illegal. There is some evidence that this approach has had some positive results, although obviously um, there were teething problems. You also need a lot of social support, which we know that the Nordic countries are very good at. Uh, I mean, do you think this is an option for the Netherlands? Well, this is also a question that refers to the worldwide problem of prostitution. I'm, I told you before, I'm a simple uh, member of the, the, the Neighborhood Association, and we want the prostitution moved. But of course, in, in last years, I developed my own opinion. So I have to speak for myself now. I think the Nordic example is, is very, very interesting. And I think as a country, we should get into that and we should discuss that because it's something that is a beginning of a solution. But it's not enough. I think as on a personal level, it's not enough. You also have to have many, many more measures, ideas to help these women to have a better life. So it's a start. Yes, it's a start. One thing that I wanted to get back to, because you mentioned it early in the conversation, is you said the, the Nordic model, for example, says, okay, prostitution is not allowed at all. Um, and even though prostitution is legal in the Netherlands right now, the, the, the women who are in this profession face different legislation. So they are not like there, there are different rules and, and the problems haven't been solved by legalizing it. Can you, can you explain a bit more about, about that? Well, those women are not registered in our country. And this is not, this is a rule because we want to safeguard their privacy. But in what industry in the country, the workers are not registered. That's, that's a very strange thing. And people who are not registered are invisible. So we don't know where they are. We don't know how they get moved from one place to the other. And uh, we did a lot of investigation at the Bledstaat, and it seemed like these women are moved to other prostitution areas to prevent, to make contact with us residents, to monitor the situation. So there is also, when there is drugs uh, criminality in a brothel, the mayor closed down the brothel for three months, and then it opens again. And we are very surprised by this, because if I had a, a bar and there is drugs, then I get not only a fine, I, I, I go to prison and my bar is closed forever. So there are many, many strange things going on in this industry. 
Yes, and as you said, well, perhaps the problem is that the municipality has not been able to provide the kind of, as you say, monitoring and guarantee the safety and security that was imagined when this was legalized. And this might also explain why residents don't really want this industry nearby because it isn't properly managed and therefore it is still essentially, well, largely criminal. No, that's not exactly true. This is what for many, many years the gemeente gives us residents. They say we have 24 hours, 24-7, we have policemen, we have law enforcement all over the place. We, we are very on top of this, but this is not what we want. We want an industry that doesn't need that. And just the fact that it needs uh, law enforcement monitoring 24-7 means something is wrong with this industry. So we, and every time we, we have a complaint, they say, okay, we send some cops and we will monitor and we will arrest. But you don't want to live in a neighborhood where, where people get arrested all the time. And it's maybe not only the, the prostitution, but it, what it attracts. It attracts a lot of wrong things like drugs and, and people that are vandalist and, and ruin the place. So when people say, is it only this industry? I say, maybe not. But everything around it makes it a very difficult situation. And I think what is interesting, because in, in Holland we have seen one area of the Netherlands that have actually taken actions to, like you said, to try and take away this this in this. So in Groningen, what they did, they they basically prevented the renewal of any licenses to operate for brothel owners and, and gave all of the establishments six years to say, well, that's it, then, then you need to be gone. But w- what has stopped, for example, the Hague government to say, to, well, let, let's do something similar like they did in Groningen. It's already the, something they did in the Netherlands. So it's not as big of a step as a whole Nordic model. Yes, this is true. A few years ago, we suggested this. We said, okay, let's let's go to Groningen. We took a lot of aldermen and a lot of interesting uh, gemeente people to Groningen because the gemeente Den Haag always said to us, it's too expensive. We cannot pay them, buy them out. We cannot buy them out. And the money is going to the wrong pockets. I agree. You don't, you don't give so much money to a brother owner because he has to move. So we took them to Groningen. That was very interesting. We talked to aldermen, to all kinds of people that were engaged in this big project and it's a similar project because it's also it was also about a prostitution street in the center of Groningen and we brought back this message to to Den Haag and somehow they don't believe it because they in Den Haag they are very scared of planschade planschade means that each individual entrepreneur can sue the gemeente because of taking away his company and they have to go to the to the judge and the judge will rule and sometimes the judge says okay you have to pay money to this entrepreneur because of this the gemeente said okay we are not going to do this because the gemeente is very scared of this because many many years ago i think 50 years ago when the whole area was full of prostitution, 
they bought out the companies, the brothels. And it took a lot of money and they were really nearly bankrupt. And this was a major crisis in the gemeente. So they are very, very scared of paying money to these people. But still, they didn't investigate this really, really interesting example of Groningen because Groningen had a really good project, not only to buy them out, but also to move some brothels to another street outside and also to take the opportunity at that time to talk to, to all these women, to all these sex workers, to ask them what you want and what you want, we can do for you to give them schooling, to, to give them a return ticket with some money to start a business at their family's place, because most of these women are from poor countries. So it's still a very, very interesting project. And nothing is done here in The Hague. So it seems really, as you say, because of the the, the, the fear, an old fear of, of having to spend a lot of money, the alternative is simply to let things rest as they are, which is unfortunate considering this is the international city of peace and justice. Yes. But perhaps perhaps we can we can move on from that. And just looking to other ways of approaching this age-old issue, you already mentioned earlier in our discussion that there, there is a stigma still attached to sex work and the sale of sex. That's been with us for centuries. It's probably not going to change anytime soon. But if, if we're looking into the future and we're thinking more about sex work as a mental and or physical form of therapy, we did some research for our interview and, and came across something called sexual surrogacy, which involves psychologist, client, and then um, a so-called sexual surrogate who works with the client or the patient using sex as a, as a form of therapy. Now, this is quite rare and, and not so common, but it does at least seem to involve something that is closer to a, if I can say, a real profession than what we all understand to be just prostitution. I, I don't know, what, just intrigued to know what your thoughts are on this. As you said, you have had many, many years of thinking about this issue and, and dealing with this issue. I think it's highly interesting. And of course, when, when, when you talk about moving prostitution from one street to the other, it's not really a solution. And I'm very well aware of this. And that's why I'm also thinking about other solutions, even though it's not my task at this moment. But this is also, I think, a very interesting discussion we have to have as a country as a nation and maybe internationally. And this is also something that's a very um, interesting addition to this Nordic model we talked earlier about, because you have to put things into perspective. You know, I can think for myself as a personal opinion that we don't need prostitution because there are societies that don't have prostitution. Other people will think the other way. And so this is a very, very interesting international discussion and national. As you said, the most important thing is being willing to discuss the issue. Right. And at this moment, everybody is numb. But we need to restart the discussion on a nation level. But 
still I'm only now engaged with moving this street out of my neighborhoods. <laughs> one, one step at a time, of course. One step at a time. Because when I make it too difficult, nobody moves anymore. <laughs> so I want to keep it simple. I think that's an, an excellent takeaway. I, I think one of the, the last questions that me and Zoe, of course, have is sort of like, how do we start that conversation concretely? Is, is where do we start to have that conversation? Well, interesting enough, all the actions we took as a neighborhood approaching the press was a start of a national discussion. So we had all kinds of big um, media coming to us, even from the BBC, even from other countries, talking about Dubletstraat, because this is our topic, and then moving into the worldwide problem of prostitution and violence against women and the human trafficking. So it's intertwined with all these topics, but we started in our little neighborhood, and actually I'm kind of proud of that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I love the fact we, we spoke about a lot of different topics and you mentioned the, the, the creativity and how important humor is in your work as well uh, to, to sometimes convey a message. Um, and in the intro, we briefly mentioned as well the, the emergency district and you living in that neighborhood. And there was actually, I think, as a, a last little anecdote about celebrating living in this emergency to, to, to create attention for what it is. And maybe you could retell it for, for the listeners to close off. Yes, we were very close to celebrating 20 years of emergency district because of the prostitution and drugs criminality. But in my opinion, it's very, very close to prostitution. And we were very close to this celebration and we went to the local government and we said we wanted to have a big party and we wanted to have a kind of fair where people could win very interesting sex toys and things like that. Unfortunately, we got a new mayor and he knew about our plans to have a big fair about this emergency district. And then he said, "Okay, it's not an emergency district anymore. Nothing changed, but they eliminated the name emergency district. So no party. No no party, Shireen. No party. Maybe another time. Maybe there'll be a party when you do finally get this uh, moved. Maybe, maybe. We are now in the beginning in a new of a new um, pattern. We get a new investigation. We get a new discussion. So maybe, I hope. Right. We, we all hope and we hope that, that today we managed to start our, the, the conversation at least a little bit uh, between the, the three of us and, and with the listeners. And I think that we just really want to thank you, Shireen, for joining us. It was a, a pleasure to have you on the show. And thank you very much. Thank you, Shireen. Now, uh, Shireen, if, if our listeners want to learn more about this, about the issue, uh, or perhaps become involved in, in the discussion, if that's an option, where could they find more information? Where could they look? Yes, uh, they can uh, also always go to our uh, website, wijkorganisatie het oude centrum.nl, but also they can send us an email, info at I think we'll put all of the uh, information at the bottom so that people can copy it because I can 
imagine for our international listeners that it might be tough with the the, the Dutch spelling and everything. And uh, lastly, stay tuned. And if you'd like to find out more about uh, Stalk Talks, about previous episodes that we did, you can uh, tune in to our anchor where we have all of our previous episodes listed. And uh, in the meanwhile, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook where you can see all of our uh, posts and everything that's coming up, exciting things that are coming up and who we will be interviewing next week. Stay tuned and thank you for listening to another episode of Stoke Talks.